0: So in the Bibles we're gonna be on page five fifty seven. Five fifty seven of Mark chapter sixteen. We're gonna look at the first twelve. Versus Joe. Okay. How long have we been in Mark for? Like a year and four months. it be a year and four months ah. that we've been in. Nice. Nice. So, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so without further ado, here's Spencer giving us the word for tonight. Thank How you, appreciate you. it. it. Should I use this mic right here? Yeah. Hello. Awesome. I uh, feel very privileged to, uh, to, to open God's Word with you. Um, we came here to talk about our ministry, talk about off the wall, um, but I'm always excited to open up the Word, especially with a group of young people. Um, Keith and myself are involved with our youth group uh, at our church in East Greenville. So I'm always, I feel energized around, around teenagers and, and young adults, so uh, it's always a good time. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to turn to Mark chapter 15, uh, or 16, Mark 16. Uh, we're going to look, I want to give you guys a little bit of a running start here. So Mark chapter, Mark is an interesting book of the Bible, and I don't know how much you've gone into depth just with like the book itself. Uh, it's the smallest of the Gospels. It is... Uh, the most condensed, it sometimes feels as if he's skipping around, like he'll stop with one thing and then kind of jut to another thing, where Luke is kind of going into the details of things, and Matthew flows a little better. But Mark is the earliest of all the Gospels, and scholars believe that Matthew and Luke actually would cite, would actually read and go to the book of Mark for a lot of their uh, understanding of what's going on, as well as the eyewitnesses and, uh, and other um, aspects to writing their book. But Mark is the first of the Gospels that was written, even though it's second in line in our book, in our Bible. Um, but it's it ends very abruptly, and I want to I want to kind of look at the verses that we have today, and I want to ask you a question. I don't know what um, Bibles you have in front of you, but doesn't matter what translation or a lot of these scriptures will put these bracket marks at verse nine till the end of the chapter. How many of you guys have like brackets around verse nine to the end of the to the chapter? Raise your hand. Does anybody know why it's that way? So this is an interesting fact, and I don't say this to scare you. But when scholars have put that in there to kind of indicate, hey, there are some early translations of the Bible or early manuscripts of the scripture that this section is not included. Yeah, okay, I got the reaction I was looking for. That is not to alarm us, though. If you read and we will get to verse eight, when we get to verse eight, I want you to read it. And think of, oh, this is how he ended the book? It's very abrupt. It just talks about they went out and ran from the tomb because, because because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Boom. It's kind of a weird way to end a book of the Bible. I mean, the whole book is about Jesus, about the Son of Man, about the Messiah come. And then it has this abrupt ending and they... They, they, some believe that the, some of the early manuscripts that didn't include this, somebody went in and kind of used, uh, Matthew and Luke and some eyewitness accounts to kind of bring a softer ending, to have like a good conclusion. Anybody, have you ever watched a movie and you're like, that's it? Like, yeah. what? Or so. You just get mad because you're like, I wanted more? Like, where's the, how is this supposed to end? Well, Some scholars believe that somebody put a softer ending, which is it wasn't made up. They cited eyewitnesses. They cited other Gospels and kind of had a softer ending. So that I just wanted to explain that tidbit before we get in. When you see those brackets, that's what that means. So I want to start by just asking you the question. I know we just got through Easter. All right. Big holiday for believers. Um, we We get our hope because of the cross, because of the resurrection. Um, we get our identity is in Christ as Christians, and the cross means so much more than just the crucifixion of a man's death. it is It's salvation for us. Jesus was that final sacrifice. so we we're in mark chapter sixteen, and I want to set the mood here. The beginning of this chapter. Is in the middle of this very, very dark period in human history. Imagine with me, when I read the scripture, I like to kind of put myself in the story. I like to see who I can relate with. I like to see um, what is the atmosphere like, what, what's the culture like? What's what's the temperature outside probably like? Like I like to feel the story. So when we jump into here, I want us to feel the story. So Jesus has been dead for a couple days at this point when this starts, alright? How many of you have ever gone through grieving? Maybe you lost somebody. Maybe it was a friend at school. Maybe it was a family member, a grandparent. Some of us have lost people in our lives that just completely flipped our world upside down. With With this kind of a crowd, I am sure there are several of you that that has happened. 2016 for me was the hardest year of my life. I lost a close friend uh, from an overdose. I lost my first child. My wife had a miscarriage. And then I lost my dad. All out of the blue. All unannounced. 2016. 2016 had no idea any of these were coming it wasn't like i was going to the hospital at their deathbed i got to say what i wanted to say before they were dead or before they passed i got none of that i just got a phone call telling me of hey dad just died today it, it is it's insane but when you go through something like that, when something hits home like that, my dad was my rock, he was my friend, he was my father, he was the guy I called for advice, like, he was the guy I called just to talk. We had the same hobbies, we had the same desires, we had the same, the same everything. I love this guy. And when mom called me and said, hey, dad just had a heart attack and died this morning, like, wow. That was tough. And if you've ever had something like that hit so close to home, you just experience this whole other side of life. All your norms are, are not normal anymore. Everything comes into question. Everything, Everybody in your life, you hold a little tighter. Everything has a little bit of a different perspective. When I get, when I get the news... I just remember the whole room began to spin. I became lightheaded. I, I, I felt grief throughout my entire body. I even remember very specifically, I could feel the nerves in my teeth just like pulsating. It was like everything in me was, was just grieving, was sad, was like, what am I doing now? My, my mind was like an empty chasm. With just questions echoing off the walls. Just questions. And the overarching question was why? Why did this happen? Why do I have to go through this? Why does my my loved ones have to go through this? Why? Why? We get to Mark chapter 16 in verse 1. And we find ourselves in the middle of this intense situation. Jesus didn't just die. He didn't die of old age. He was beaten and crucified. His followers, his disciples, the apostles, the twelve, along with the crowd of people that followed him, that were also called his disciples, they were in intense grief. They lost a teacher, a rabbi, a friend. It's not a professor that they went and saw a couple times a week for a two hour lecture. No, it was a guy they were with every day, all day. They slept in the same establishments. They ate the same food. They were like brothers. They were like family. And we get to this verse and Jesus had been dead. Let's go ahead and read verse 1. It says, When the Sabbath was over... Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they could go and anoint him. Alright, so I want to stop there. So, there's a lot of names you'll find in Scripture like, hey, I heard that name before. There's a lot of Marys, there's a lot of Josephs, there's a lot of Johns, there's a lot of James, there's a lot of names that... They're from multiple different people, okay? So, we have these different Marys that are identified with their last name or a mother of somebody. But you have these three women, and there's actually more than just them. If you read, like, John, you'll find this Joanna girl that was there, too. But they go there because Jesus, he died, he was put in a tomb, and then that's it. He didn't get the proper burial that their culture and their custom Um, would normally perform. They would normally put spices, they would normally embalm the body, preserve it in some sort of way, and then put it in the tomb. So these women, it says, when the Sabbath was over. Anybody know when the Sabbath is? Sunday. For us, yes. Saturday. Saturday. Very good. Saturday. So Jesus died on a Friday. The Sabbath was a Saturday where they would... Uh, observe the Lord's Day. It was their Sabbath. They weren't allowed to work. There was some customs. So it was Sabbath on Saturday. When when the Sabbath was over, it says that they bought the spices so that they could go and anoint him. In verse 2 it says, very early in the morning, so now it's Sunday, very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise and they were thinking this and they were saying this to one another in verse 3 they were saying to one another who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us all right you guys know the story of jesus we know he died on the cross he went in the grave anybody know the name of the man that owned the grave joseph of arimathea, joseph of arimathea. I, I like i like inserting fun facts all right so this joseph of arimathea he was, uh, he was a bit wealthy. All right? He was part of the Jewish class of this religious class called the Sanhedrin. Anybody know any details about the Sanhedrin when it comes to Jesus' death? So the Sanhedrin were the ones that pursued Jesus to be dead. They're the ones that took the temple guard into the Garden of Gethsemane to get Jesus. Judas portrayed. They they gave him the money and they went in. They got Jesus. They put him on trial and eventually he was crucified and he died. They were the Sanhedrin. All right, these are these religious elite within the Jewish culture. Okay, so this guy was part. It's, it's interesting because he believed in Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus, but he was still. He was part of the Sanhedrin group. So Jesus wasn't just pursuing the hearts of the lowly or the, the the commoners. No, he was. his message was piercing the hearts of the religious elite as well. And this Joseph of Arimathea got the right to have Jesus' body and give him a proper burial. Now back in those days, having a burial, like a tomb was only for the upper class, the rich people, okay? Um, s- some of the lower class people, if you had a loved one die and you couldn't afford a proper burial, this sounds really harsh, but the trash heap was where they would put a lot of the bodies and they would just burn the trash along with the, some of these corpses. But Jesus got to be buried in an actual tomb. This family tomb where a lot of family members over the years would be buried. Okay, This tomb, we know, had a large stone in front of it. What else was at the tomb? Supposed to be at the tomb. Some guards, right? Does anybody know why the guards were supposed to be there? Or why they were stationed there? Yes? So no one would take the body. So no one would take the body. There were people that um, the belief was, oh, someone's going to steal Jesus' body and then say he's alive. Well, they put guards on a dead guy's tomb so that that wouldn't happen. Okay, So these were Romans. These were not even Jews. These guys didn't care about who Jesus was or what he represented. They were stationed at his tomb. So we find ourselves here at this tomb with these ladies, with these spices ready to give Jesus a proper burial. I also, another interesting thing. In our culture, this is not weird, okay? It says in this passage the women were going to his tomb. But you have to understand in Jewish culture in the first century, women were treated much different than men. Anybody know... Any details on that? So here, here's one. Jesus, yes, I saw a hand. Yes? Yes, yeah. So if a woman had a job, it was because she had no husband, maybe she was a widow, and it was her last ditch effort to be able to provide for herself. It was very rare. Women were, were not part of the working class. Women were not part of the educated class. Women did not go to people to be taught. So Jesus, it was very countercultural in this way. He was teaching women. He had women following him. He had women in his inner circle, and these women would have been part of that. He had women ministering to him. He had women part of... You know, all these great deeds he was doing, whether he was speaking engagement or these miracles, women were part of Jesus' ministry. They were part of this group that followed him around, part of his disciples. So some of these women were mentioned specifically. Jesus treated them in much much different. Um, Talks directly to the... John 4.27, I want to give you a couple examples of how Jesus dealt with women and how it was very different than what the culture would have done. Woman at the well, John 4.27, it said the people marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what, what do you seek? Or, why are you talking with her? Okay, they marveled. Um, there was this, this episode where these sisters, Mary and Martha, in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Excuse me. Um, Mary, uh, she was mesmerized by Jesus' teaching. Um, She was caught by her sister, Martha. See, this this lady, Mary, was sitting at the feet of Jesus with the rest of all these men, and she was listening to Jesus' teaching, which was... That would have been weird in this culture. Alright? And so Martha, her sister... Is listen, she's, she almost reprimands Jesus like, hey, you need to tell this lady to get in the kitchen and to do what women are supposed to do. And, and, Jesus, and Jesus is like, no, that's, that's not what I'm all about. Jesus treated women a lot differently than they were treated in that culture. Why is that important to understand in our passage? Well, the gospel is equally for everybody. The message of Jesus Christ, the good news, this book is not just for men, not just for women, not just for rich people, not just for poor people. This message of, of Jesus is for everybody. The gospel, discipleship, studying the Bible is for you. It's not just for your pastors. It's not just for people that are doing speaking engagements. No, studying the Word, studying God's Word is for you, is for me. Okay? So we talked about these women. We talked about the burial. Um, I believe we stopped in verse 3. Let's look at verse 4. So they're talking about who will roll away the stone. Verse 4, looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Okay? One big, what's going on? Okay, there's supposed to be guards. The stone is supposed to be closed. They were debating, how are we going to roll the stone? They get there. The guards aren't there. The stone's rolled away. All right, so like I said, put yourself in the story. Imagine the situation early morning. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 5. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. <laughs> I think it's kind of comical how it's phrased. Um, in other words, they were freaking out a little bit. Okay. They see the stone rolled away. They see this man dressed in white, just chilling in this grave. All right. That's weird. It's early in the morning. All right. It says they were alarmed. Verse six, it says, don't be this, this being, this person says, don't be alarmed. He told them you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they put him. All right, let's stop there. So these women, imagine they're in awe. They're in shock. This This being says, Yo, hey, I know why you're here. I know who you're looking for. He's not here. He's risen. They brought these spices to give him proper burial. And then they are told, He's alive. Okay? Just like I said in the beginning, put yourself in the situation. They're in intense grief. The emotions here... You can't just be like, I mean, we're looking at the story like, yeah, Jesus died three days go by. Jesus is risen. I get it. But in their context, they just know Jesus dead. This is crazy to hear. This is crazy that God entrusted the first people to know about his him risen were these women. That seems weird in this culture. No, you should have told the men. The men are the leaders. The men are the educators. No. Jesus entrusted this with the women. This is a crazy, crazy story. So, what is their reaction? What do they do? Let's, uh... What was that here? Verse... Well, let's address this for a second. So, it says there's a person and he's dressed in white. Anybody know who that is, what that is? Anybody else? Someone I haven't called on. I called on you, I called on you, I called on you. Yes! It was an angel, yes. This was an angel and it's specified in in John's Gospel... That an angel appeared to them, okay? So, angels, we get a little snippet. Angels look young. They're often dressed in white to represent purity. They're they're beautiful. Anybody know what the word angel means? Or what the job of an angel is? Yes? It means messenger. Alright? So, God used angels in the Bible to deliver messages. Alright? And it's interesting, there was no doubt to them what they were seeing. Um, I I wrote this verse down. Where did I put that? Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 says this, and this is interesting for us to understand. Hebrews 13 2. Do not de- neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Alright? So, the scripture talks about how we could, we could be in the presence of an angel. There could be an angel in here right now, in the form of a person, and we could, we, we couldn't even, we might not even know. Alright? But in this situation, there are situations in scripture where it's like, no doubt, this was a messenger of the Lord. This was an angel. And this is one of those instances. It's very clear. A heavenly being had startled them. All right. I want to go back to what it says. It says they were alarmed. Okay. So the alarms are going off. They're I imagine they're like screaming inside, but nothing's coming out. You ever been like so scared where like something like that or terrified where you're freaking out inside and nothing's coming out of your mouth. That's what that's the state that they are in. He says, do not be alarmed. All right, let's read verse seven. What does this angel say to them? Verse seven, the angel says to these women, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee you will see him there just as he told you. I want to stop there. So, yeah, I see a hand. Why did you say the disciples? That's a great question. I love that you saw that and you're processing that. We're going to talk about that. So, where were the disciples when Jesus was crucified? What were they doing? Were they like right next to him, fighting for him? What's that? They some were doing different things, but mainly they were keeping their distance. They were abandoning Jesus in this moment. There were instances where we see Peter, he actually stood up for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Get Gethsemane. There we go. And he cut off the ear of one of the guards. And Jesus goes, put the ear right back on. I don't know what, what Peter's reaction would have been in that moment, but um, all the disciples were kind of keeping their distance. They were in shock. They were like, what's going on? And Jesus told them everything that was going to happen. But they, I don't know if they just chose not to see it or if the spirit hadn't revealed it to them. But in verse 7, at the end of the verse, it says, you will see him there just as he told you. Jesus often told the disciples and his followers things they could not comprehend. But we read it and we're like, duh, dummy. Like Jesus is sitting with them at the last supper going, one of you is going to betray me. I'm going to give him this piece of bread and he gives it to Judas. Yeah. And all the disciples are like, is he talking about me? Like what? what's happening here? And, and Judas goes and he betrays Jesus. All right. They were just, they were blind to it. But Jesus only spoke truth to them, and everything would be fulfilled in his life. And there's still things that are yet to come that he talked about. But we see here the angel specifically said, Go tell his disciples, go tell his followers and Peter. What did Peter do during the crucifixion story that we know of? Yes. Denied three times. times. Denied Jesus three times. Jesus told him this would happen. He didn't see it happening until it was actually done and it happened. So, not only did Peter abandon his friend, his teacher, his rabbi, his messiah, he denied him. And if we're to understand about Peter, Peter was a very outspoken individual. He, He was a very brash, courageous, manly man. But in the moment... When he was faced with the crowd of people and he was watching his Savior being beaten, going on trial, would eventually be crucified, he crumbled. All All the manly man reactions and standing up crumbled and he denied Jesus. So if you can imagine, I want you to imagine this with me. I want you to picture the most precious person to you in your life right now. Okay? think of that person. It could be your best friend. It could be a relative. It could be a brother or sister. Picture that person. Now, I want you to imagine you get an intense argument and fight with that person. And you basically, you don't talk for 24 hours. And at the end of that 24 hours, you find out they got hit by a car. Oh <sighs> That's, That's, not good. That's intense, right? That's intense. What would that do to your mind? What would that do to your person? How crushed would you be? This person that you love dearly that you you said this or you you didn't get to ask for an apology, you didn't get a face to face, they're gone. That's that's a snapshot. It's not exact equal, but that that's a picture of what Peter went through. Jesus was precious to Peter. Peter loved Jesus. And in the moment that it mattered, He denied him, and Jesus died. And here you have Peter, along with the rest of the disciples, grieving. And Peter's living with that for three days. He's like, I can't believe I did that. And it's just tearing him apart, as it would you, as it would me. So imagine that. So the angel specifically calls out Peter, probably because Peter... Is having a rough time like the rest of the disciples, but it's even rougher because of what happened in those last moments. That, that last time he he was near Jesus, that he was with Jesus. It's a rough thing to go through. It's a rough thing to experience. So, great question, Peter. Yeah, he mentions Peter, and he says he goes to Galilee, which is also a pretty incredible thing. Galilee. What do we what do we know about Galilee? Any details about Galilee that you know? Yes. Uh, Peter was from Galilee. Okay, yeah. Peter was from Galilee. Actually, almost all the disciples were from Galilee. Jesus' ministry was predominantly in Galilee. I think it was like 85, 80% of Jesus' ministry was in Galilee. Anybody been to to, um, Israel? Okay, so when you go to Israel and they give you the tour and they drive you around and they tell you where these stories happen, you're mainly in Galilee. Like you get on a boat on the, on, on the Sea of Galilee, which I'm from Michigan. When I think of a lake, I think of the Great Lakes and you can't see across. It's huge. It's massive. So when I imagine the Sea of Galilee, I imagine this massive body. I get there and it's like, this is it? Like, it's just a little lake. Like, it's a lake. I mean, it's a good-sized lake, but it's not like the sea. So you get to this the Sea of Galilee. You get on a boat and they drive you around the lake. Yep, he, that's where he fed the 5,000. Um, that's where he probably did this. That's where he probably did that. That's probably where he stayed. That's probably where Peter lived. You know, it, it's all right there. It's where Jesus' ministry started, and it's where Jesus' ministry ended. It says He went to Galilee. This angel is talking to these, these women at the gravesite. And He says, hey, Jesus went ahead. He's in Galilee. He's going to catch up with you. He's going to do His thing. He's about His Father's business. You know, hey, go tell everybody. Alright? And then we get to verse 8. And, and remember this, like I said at the beginning. Verse 8 is the... Probably the end of Mark's writing of the gospel. All right, um, how are we doing on time? Ten minutes. Ten minutes? Okay, great. Um, then we get to verse eight. All right, and let's read that as if it was the end of Mark's writing here. It says they went out and ran from the tomb because because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. All right, they were shocked. They were astonished. They were amazed. It says, and they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. All right. I want you to, I like to kind of put things in in a picture to kind of imagine the emotions going through them. How many of you have ever come up to your Christmas or your birthday and you discovered a present you were going to receive? You weren't supposed to know it. But you found out. Anybody? Okay. My mom, my mom had a closet. It was, it was her closet in her bedroom. Everybody knew. I had two sisters. We all knew that's where mom put the gifts. Okay. Do not go near the closet. Mom even threatened us. She's, she said, if you go in that closet and find your present, I'm returning it and you're getting nothing for Christmas. So it was real and I took it very seriously. There was one year though. I, I I was not sneaking. I was not doing something I shouldn't. I think, Mom, I can't remember. Maybe I suppressed it. I don't know. But I found out, and this will date me. Okay. You guys are going to laugh. I found out Mom and Dad bought me a PS1. Wow.
1: The original, the
0: OG. Yes. The OG. Okay. I I saw it. I got a glimpse of it, and it was one of those things where you see and you're like, boom! Oh, I wish I still had it. Yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was in that moment astonished. I was okay. Let me let me let me let me see this first. Was I trembling with excitement? Yeah. Have you ever like got something you really wanted and you were screaming? Anybody like reacting that way? Yeah, that was me. So I was trembling and I was astonished. I was overloaded with excitement. And then the same emotions. It says, and they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. I was afraid of losing that PlayStation. I kept those emotions to myself and I didn't I played it off like Christmas, like I had no idea. But in that moment, I was excited, I was astonished, I was trembling. Flabbergasted is another great word. But I was also terrified of the thought of losing that PS1. I, I probably still had weeks until Christmas. Alright? So, here we have in this passage, these women, they're astonished, they're, they're trembling. Why? They just were in the presence of... Of a heavenly being. Also, the stone was rolled away. It wasn't supposed to be that way. The guards weren't there. And on top of that, Jesus wasn't in the grave. They're being told by an angel, crazy, that he's actually alive and he's in Galilee. Wow. I would be trembling. I would be astonished. I would be afraid. Alright, these women, I don't know if they're pep-talking each other, keep it together, keep it together, come on, let's go tell them, they told us to go tell them, let's talk to Peter. I don't know what's going on, but they leave the tomb, they leave this empty tomb, and they go, let's let's read verse 9, we're actually going to read verse 9 through 12 now. It says, early on the first day of the week, after he had risen, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom... He had driven seven demons. She went to re, she rent and reported to those who had been with Him. So we're talking here of the disciples. As they were mourning and weeping. Remember, disciples, they don't know Jesus is risen yet. God entrusted that with the women to go tell everybody. Verse 11. Yet when they heard that He was alive and had been seen by, by her, they did not believe. After this, he appeared, this is talking of Jesus, in a different form to two of them walking on their way into the country. And they went and reported to the rest who did not believe them either. Alright, so here you have the women. They go on their way. They go to the disciples. They tell the good news. The disciples are like, what? And what actually happened, Peter finds out, he's out the door. If you read the other gospels, he goes and checks the tomb for himself. I mean, can you imagine being Peter? This is how your relationship with Jesus ended. And then you hear, he's alive. Man, I would be running to the tomb too. I, I, Even if I thought it wasn't true, I would still be running to the tomb to be like, yo, what's up? Like, what's going on? These are my friends. They're telling me he's alive. Like, what's going on here? This is an amazing story. And I want you guys... To gain an appreciation. When you go to Scripture, don't just read the words. Put yourself in the story, especially when you're reading the Gospels. A very tangible story about a man. Not just any man, but the God-man, Jesus Christ. He came, He died for you. He gives us hope. Eternal hope. Not just hope that makes us feel fuzzy and good inside, but eternal security so that, hey, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I live. Am I to strive for holiness? Am I strive to be set apart unto God? Yeah. Am I gonna mess up? Yeah. I'm gonna mess up a lot more than I want to mess up. But Jesus came, he was that final sacrifice, he died, so that when God sees me, he sees Jesus' as righteousness. I wrote down a quote. Let's see if I can find it. No, I'm not going to be able to find it. Uh, this is a quote by... Anybody heard of the man Spurgeon? Famous preacher from back in the day. All right, this is one of my favorite quotes from Spurgeon in one of his messages. I just lost it again. Oh, I'm struggling. Spurgeon quote, he said, you stand, and this is to put us in perspective, he says, you stand before God as if you were Christ, because Christ stood before God as if He were you. Let me say it again. You stand before God as if you were Christ, because Christ stood before God As if he were you. God had to treat Jesus like you. In order for him to treat you like Jesus. In order for us to have hope of eternal life. And not burn forever in hell. That that part of the story that we don't like to talk about. Because it's messy. God sent Jesus. Jesus. To die for us so that when God sees us, he sees Christ's righteousness. The Bible says our works are like filthy rags. We can't work our way to heaven. There's nothing we can do tangibly that can get us to heaven. It's all what Jesus did for us. And if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you don't, I encourage you to talk to one of the workers today. Get that figured out. Get that straightened out. For those of you that are saved, that have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior... Be striving for a life set apart unto God. Live a life out of thankfulness for what Jesus has done for you. So what are some, just a couple things, a couple takeaways that you could take away from this. We talked about the women um, that God entrusted this message with. Jesus treats everyone equally. He treats everyone equally. He loves everyone equally. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. Jesus loves you. He forgives you. No matter what, you can follow Jesus. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter if you're rich, no matter if you're poor, no matter if you have a shortcoming, you can follow Jesus. Off the wall, we're all about discipleship. We're all about helping people fall more in love with Jesus. Jesus. And see what they can do to help further God's kingdom here on earth. What they can contribute. You can follow Jesus at your age. There's not a special age. My four-year-old can follow Jesus very effectively. Does he? No. Does he know Jesus yet? No. But when he does, he can follow Jesus. You can follow Jesus. I can follow Jesus. Choose to follow Jesus. It's a daily choice. The scripture talks about how we need to take up our cross daily. Daily. It's a daily decision to follow Jesus, follow His teaching. Does your life reflect the gospel, the good news of Jesus? When people look at you, do they see a little picture of Jesus? If you really believe everything we've read and studied about Jesus, does your life reflect that? The Bible says that the spirit of Him who raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. Do you get that? The Bible says the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. Jesus talks about how there's somebody better. When he's talking to the disciples, he says there's somebody better coming. They're like, Jesus is alive. Great. You know, Jesus was after he was risen from the dead. He was around for a short time. And then he went up into heaven and he's like, see ya. I did what I was supposed to do. I trained you up. Now go impact the world with the gospel, the good news. All right. Hey, by the way, somebody better's coming. Anybody know who that somebody better was? What did, what did God send to help Christians to comfort, to open the eyes of the teachings of Scripture? Yes, the Holy Spirit. Pentecost happened. We, as Christians, we have the same power that Jesus had that was risen from the dead. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Lean on Him. Let Him work in you. Empower the Holy Spirit in your life by ingesting God's Word. Are you considering Jesus in your day-to-day life? Ask Him to give you the power to follow Him step-by-step and invite others along with you. Hey guys. This is an awesome story. This is an awesome passage. I feel very privileged to have opened it with you guys. Just consider Jesus today. Consider how this story, what this story means to you. Follow Jesus better today than you did yesterday. Know that you will mess up. And know that Jesus wants you to get back up and keep moving forward. Jesus went to the cross so that we don't have to bear our shame. We don't have to bear our guilt. Jesus bore all that for us. Don't let those things drag you down. Remember, Jesus died for you, has forgiven you, and lived for Him. Can I pray for us and close this time? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love You so much. I thank You for hearing us. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for its power. I thank You for the story, how You entrusted this message to these women, um, how You redeemed us, um, and everything that came about in this, this story. I thank You for... Peter, his reconciliation, how you used him greatly after the fact, how he impacted the world with the gospel, and all the other apostles and all the other disciples, Lord. I pray that the young people in this room will realize that they're people just like these characters in the scripture, and that you can use them in great ways. I pray that we will live out the gospel, that we will consider you on a daily basis. We love you in your name. Amen.